The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it. And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents Then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father And I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him. And was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. 
his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Some years ago, I heard a bishop speaking about a retreat he had given in a maximum security prison. And he began the retreat by saying to the prisoners, Gentlemen, there is one great difference between you and me. You got caught. I didn't. The idea being that we are all sinners. That reality is something our Lord speaks of so often. The reality of sin, the reality of repentance. Repentance, you know, is the first call of the gospel. Repent. Today's parables speak of this. The hero in each one is the shepherd, the woman, and the father. The parable of the lost sheep we know well. It's a very popular parable, very touching. The idea of the Lord picking up the sheep and putting it on his shoulders and taking it home. But the point of the parable is repentance. The same thing with a woman who's lost one coin. She finds the coin and she 
overjoyed. But the point of the parable isn't the, the coin, it's her repentance. It's repentance. There will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And finally, the prodigal son, although, as we know, it should really be called the parable of the loving and merciful father, since the father is the hero, not the son. There are two sons. The one's the prodigal, and the other, of course, is the elder brother. But the elder brother rep- represents the scribes and the Pharisees, and the younger son, in many ways, represents the Gentiles, but it also represents simply human nature. And the one f- son wants to do what he wants to do. He's part of that generation. And so he goes and says, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. That's presumption, isn't it? Give me what I will get eventually. I want it now. And the Father respects the freedom of the Son, as God respects our freedom even when we misuse it because he created it. Without it, we couldn't love. And the Son then does what the Son does. He goes off to a distant country, which is away from the father. The distant country is sin, and squanders his inheritance, his grace. That's the great gift of God to us, grace. And he loses that, and then he is left defeating swine. And he begins to think to himself, not how much he loved the father, not how much the father loved him, not what he was called to be by way of his humanity. There's no desire for holiness in him whatsoever, or even reconciliation with the Father. But he thinks to himself at a very practical level um, that very often people will, be, will change their lives for some practical reason, but not out of love for anything or anyone, simply because it's not good for them, or because they're uncomfortable, or it's inconvenient. It's the wrong motive. In any event, he th- thinks to himself, How many of my father's hired workers, again, no love, have more than enough to eat, and here I am dying from hunger. So he plans what he's going to do. It's really rather interesting. Um, it's, It's somewhat sly, isn't it? It's not out of love. I will go and say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's a good beginning. We should all begin that way. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. That's a pretty good speech. If the father should listen to that, he would think. But the father sees him before he sees the father. As God is always uh, aware of us before we're aware of him, since he never takes his eyes off of us. And the father takes the initiative. The son's walking back. The father goes out to him. Uh, says, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. No lecture, which he should have gotten. Um, No reprimand, which he deserved. Um, And he doesn't turn his back on him. Uh, There should have been at least an I told you so in there somewhere. Um, And the son then, after that great explosion of affection from his father, which we always receive from God, if 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 we doubt that love, the crucifix is a constant reminder of it, he begins his speech. He's got it down. He's practiced it. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. The father won't let him finish. 
father cuts him off. The father's the generous one. The father's the one who is really in charge. So he orders the servants to bring him the finest robe. It's not just a matter of taking him back, but giving him everything he had and more than he had when he left. Who would do that, really? How many of us would do a thing like that? The finest robe. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. All of this for a son who had betrayed his father and wasted his inheritance. Now God does that to us. Every time we go to confession, God does that to us. Gives us more than we had before even. I've said this every time we, I preach on this gospel because I, it's such a delightful story. You will remember the story. I've been here through at least two or three of these gospels. Um, when the, the girl in the school was asked um, by her teacher you know, regarding the elder brother, she said, who was sorry when the prodigal son came home? And she said, the fattened calf. And, uh, <laughs> so, and then they begin the feast. But the elder brother represents those who are righteous, those who have not sinned as though there were such a person, is angry. But the father has been generous. The father has been forgiving. The father has loved his son. Notice his objection. Look, all these years I served you. Served you. Not that I loved you. I served you. I did what you told me to do. I was obedient. Uh, and not once did I disobey your orders. I was obeyed. Again, there was no love for the father. He doesn't say, I loved you. He didn't. He simply was aware of his obedience. You never gave me even a goat. But when this son of yours returns, no, it's not my brother, but this son of yours. It's like the good Samaritan. He says, the one I suppose, not the Samaritan, he won't use the, even use the word Samaritan. This son of yours, not my brother, after having swallowed up your property with prostitutes, how did he know? For him you slaughtered the fattened calf. And the father explains, you were with me always. Didn't you realize how much I loved you? That's the problem with, with repentance, isn't it? We don't realize how much we're loved. If we did, repentance would be quick and permanent. But which is why we have to keep our eyes on the crucifix as a constant reminder. Whenever I read this parable, I can't help but think of St. Augustine uh, and his own life. Each one of our lives, of course, is in this parable. But St. Augustine, as you may recall, I've mentioned it before, that beautiful section from the Confessions where he very quickly describes his own life and what God has done for him by way of his repentance. And I, it'd be good if you periodically read that. You can find it in prayer books. and Probably if it went online and said St. Augustine quotes, you'd get this one. Um, he said, Remember, late have I loved you, beauty ever ancient, ever true. Late have I loved you. You were within me, behold, and I was outside. And I sought you outside, and in my ugliness fell upon the lovely things which you had made. You were with me, but I was not with you. I was kept from you by those things. Yet if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. You called and cried and broke through my deafness. You sent forth your light and shone upon me and chased away my blindness. 
You breathed on me, and I drew in my breath and do now pant for you. You touched me, and I have burned for your peace. Now that's repentance, and that's what we are called to do. And only the strength of our Lord on the cross, and particularly the strength of our Lord in the reality of his own forgiveness, which is the Eucharist, makes that possible. Isn't it wonderful? We can say, O oh Lord, I am not worthy in one moment. In the next moment, we are healed, and now we're allowed to receive him. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son, and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, her members will always respond to the call of God to repent, respond to the call for conversion. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, and for our politicians, they in particular will hear the call to repentance and therefore be truly concerned about justice and peace. We pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, that in their suffering they may know that they are united to the Lord. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who reject repentance, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, especially life in the womb and at the end, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations of priesthood of the consecrated life, those young men and women who will have the courage to respond to God's call to holiness, for greater reverence for the holiness in marriage and a single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, having spent time in the presence of the risen Lord, they may then be visible signs of his mercy, we pray to the Lord. For all those working on our building project, that they will remain safe, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that our lives will so be transformed by the grace that we have received, that we will rise above our sins and accept the call to holiness, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the health of the sick and the refuge of sinners as we sing. 